0: Find Reese's now at a store near you. Hello and welcome to the Big Travel Podcast. I'm Lisa Francesca Nand. Singer-songwriter Nina Nesbitt grew up half-Swedish in a little Scottish village, kicking off her career, aged 15, on YouTube, very quickly making a name for herself. Nina talks about touring with Ed Sheeran, an example, overcoming stage fright, fainting in hong kong the confusing familiarity of australia a surreal radio tour of the u.s deep dish pizzas in chicago philly cheesesteaks having her ex ed sheeran write a song about her and going straight to la after recording this podcast to go on james corden's late late show we're better of course on this podcast obviously hope she mentions us anyway we're excited to have nina nesbitt on the big travel podcast I was just listening to some of the songs from your new album, and the the song, I've Got No Time Now for My Life to Suck, actually (laughs) totally spoke to me right now.
1: Oh, I love that. It feels very relevant post COVID and all that as well, I feel like.
0: It does. What was the inspiration for the song? Do
1: you know what? It's weird. I actually wrote it in 2019, which is kind of before the world turned on its head. Um, So it was kind of just about like, Cutting all toxic negative vibes out of your life because I think as you get older, like more and more things kind of pile on, and I think you kind of learn what's important and what kind of relationships are important to keep in your life, and what ones sometimes you just have to let go. And it's a song. It's kind of like tongue in cheek, you know. If someone's bringing you drama or whatever, just move on from it.
0: I love it. And I love the video as well. And I also love that, you, that you've you actually got the lyrics there that we can sort of read it and relate yeah. to. <laughs> Did you shoot Sorry. it yourself, the video? Cause it's got that, I love that sort of, um, you know, so sort of, it's got like a sort of a homespun vibe to it.
1: Yeah. It was meant to be like a, kind of like a parody of my TikTok account. And my manager just came down for the day, had a bit of wine, had a cake, shot a little video <laughs> It's just like a little lyric video, but a few people have said the same, that they really like it. But yeah, it was a fun one to film.
0: So the album's name is Elksar. Am I pronouncing that right?
1: Elskar. Almost. Elskar. Yeah. Elskar. <laughs> Pronunciations. Elskar.
0: And th- does that mean love? Am I right in, meaning that? in thinking that means love? I found it means love and making love and also often, which sounds like quite a good combination.
1: Yeah, it means um it's the verb for love in Sweden. So it's like to love someone. Um, there is a word that's like the direct translation for love, um, but it's like, it's called charlek. And I just, it didn't have the same, it reminded me of the Daleks.
0: Yeah, charlek, Dalek,
1: yeah. I was like, no, that's yeah. not happening. So, um, and obviously like I'm I'm half Swedish, half Scottish. So I've grown up hearing people say like, Jog which means I love you. So that it was like a familiar word. But yeah, I don't really know why I've named my album something in a foreign language. <laughs> it's, um, it's been fun on the promo run. But I think we're in the age of people wanting to learn new things. So I think I still stand by decision. <laughs>
0: I'm trying to think of the Scottish equivalent.
1: Oh, so the Scottish equivalent is track one on the record, which is Gil, which is the Scottish Gaelic. Um, but again, that one's a really weird one to pronounce as well.
0: That's also a very good a good reference because you've been brought up in uh, well you tell me about where you've been brought up but from what I, I imagine where what's it like where where have you been brought up and where are you now indeed?
1: Yeah I was brought up in Scotland originally in a place called Livingstone which is kind of one of those towns that's in between a lot of things so it was like in between Edinburgh and Glasgow and then when I was 12 I moved to this village, tiny village, which is where I think my Wikipedia says I'm from. um, It's called Balerno. And I guess that's, I would say like that's where I'm from because that was my most, I don't know, memorable years of being a teenager. And I think so much happens in those years and it really forms you into who you are today. So, yeah, um, a little village called Balerno. No one's heard of it. It's at the end of the bus route from Edinburgh <laughs> and um, has lots of sheep and hills. And it's really beautiful. But yeah, it was a very, very sheltered upbringing, which was nice in some ways, but also a bit of a shock when I moved to London.
0: Especially when you're 12 years old and you're kind of, you know, just coming into that sort of teenagehood. And I imagine just discovering music as well. How did you, how did your musical journey of discovery unfold in the little village?
1: Yeah, it was quite, um, it was quite limited because, I didn't have like, I didn't come from a musical family my parents weren't musicians or anything. So it was just kind of chart music or music from their day that they loved. So it'd be like ABBA from my mum and then it'd be like Roxy music from my dad's side. So it was, it wasn't really like a musical upbringing. And I would say it's not until I hit like maybe 14, 15, that I really started that kind of self-discovery of of music and i had a friend called vicky who's still one of my best friends she was kind of like the tastemaker within the group and she'd find all these cool bands and singers and i remember she found um bonnie var for emma that first album she introduced me to that like a lot of acoustic stuff and um yeah i think just like having those mates that have got their their ear on the ground and um yeah that was kind of that was it for me and social media as well that kind of i grew up kind of with social media, kind of without, but 14, 15, it really became like such a, it's almost like a parallel to, to our real lives. And I discovered a lot of music through that as well, really. Um, YouTube, etc. cetera. Um, so yeah, a lot of it was online and a lot of it was just kind of folky, acoustic, storytelling, singer-songwriter stuff.
0: Were you going back and forth to Sweden at that point?
1: Yeah. So I've always gone back. My gran and granddad live there. I've We've always gone back about twice a year, so I guess I've always I feel like I had a Swedish upbringing, but in Scotland, if that makes sense, (laughs) because it's quite different. I feel like they're very like open, very honest. You know, quite like I don't know. Scotland feels a little bit more like your your parents are a little bit more closed off, and you have to sneak out and stuff like that. Whereas my mum was like, "What do you want? I'll go and get you it." (laughs) So it was quite a different upbringing in that sense. Um, and just yeah, they they quite like loud and talk about their feelings and stuff like that. So it's interesting now having friends in Sweden that are my age that had similar upbringings. That I'm like, ah,
0: do um, they feel different to you? Do you do they? You feel like they've had a different upbringing? Who do you relate to more?
1: Uh honestly, the Swedish like people my age that I write with and stuff like so many of the girls. I'm like, oh my god, we are like we've had the same life. <laughs> um, because like a lot of you know, a lot of people in Scotland, like a lot of my friends just had like quite different upbringings. There's some similarities, obviously, but yeah, it was just like my mum was just kind of like one of us, like always up for a laugh and stuff. So yeah, it's interesting. I definitely feel like I have a bit of both.
0: What was life like in your, what was your grandparents' house like there? What would you do? What did it look like? How did it feel?
1: It's still the same house she's been in since she moved from Finland. And it's this Tiny little flat on, on like a first four, four flat. And it's, I don't know if you've ever seen Sylvanian houses. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, it's like a Sylvanian house. It's like wooden, you know, the, the perfect Swedish kind of aesthetic. Um, but yeah, it's just really small house. We all sit around the dinner table, which inspired one of the songs on the album and living room and a bedroom. And that's it, really. Um, little balcony. It's just, yeah, very, very chilled, very different to London. It's always a nice escape.
0: And you, your success started really early, didn't it? So there you are sort of tinkering around with music and getting, uh, your influences from your mate Vicky. Was it Vicky?
1: Yeah, Vicky.
0: <laughs> Thanks, Vicky. Um, and, um, but your, your musical success started quite early, didn't it? When you were around 17. Tell us a story about that.
1: Well, I actually started a YouTube channel when I was 15 because I didn't know if I could sing. And I was really shy. I knew like I loved writing songs and that's what I wanted to do. But I didn't know if I was able to sing them. And I I was like, I can't. I sang at the school talent show once and it scarred me for life. So I was like, right, I'm going to start a YouTube channel and I'll see what strangers think. Because your mom or your dad or your friends, they're always just going to tell you you're great, aren't they? Really? Mm. So I put it on the Internet and then slowly but surely I kind of managed to build a small fan base on there through doing covers for other songs and then started doing my own songs and that's kind of how it got started initially and then a few other artists heard my covers um or just met like in passing and invited me on tour so I ended up on tour I like literally left school went to college for like a month and then was on tour and I literally haven't stopped since it's just kind of one thing after the other who was
0: who you were on tour with at first and how did that go
1: so it was um, Ed Sheeran and Example, they heard me sing in and they were like, do you want to support me on tour? And I was like, yeah, sure, <laughs> let's do it. Literally only played about 10 gigs. So um, yeah, that was around the time that he was kind of getting quite big, had his first album out and Example was actually doing an arena tour. So one of my first tours was in arenas <laughs> to like a crowd full of ravers, which was Absolutely terrifying and I think it was just like a crash course in the music industry and how to perform on stage and yeah, it was pretty pretty cool
0: that's just incredible that you've you, you know you, you made that step up so quickly um you I read somewhere that you actually used to have a bit of stage fright and I think we can all relate to that but yeah. so I've done a lot of sort of reading about it because I'm on tv and radio a lot which I'm fine with because I do it but if I had to stand up in front of a crowd and speak I absolutely fall apart it just yeah. it feels like a different skill in many ways and some of the um it's a it maybe it's a bad example or a good example I don't know but um, it's someone like Tony Robbins or one of those, you know, sort of self-help people give the example of, um, Bruce Springsteen, who apparently, uh, when he goes on stage, he says something like, you know, my, like, I'm, I'm feeling nervous. I'm pumped. My heart is something. I'm starting to shake. I'm yeah. so excited. And off he goes. Yeah. And he's sort of interpreting those feelings that many of us would interpret as like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. I'm shaking. I'm nervous. My heart's pumping. He's interpreting them as as excitement I don't really know where I'm going for this yeah except. I've
1: heard this you know because it's the same feeling isn't it more or less and it's how you think about it I have heard this I've heard a few people say like if you have anxiety try and turn it into excitement I haven't success I haven't been able to successfully do that I'm not gonna lie but I like the thought of it
0: it's it's exposure to something isn't it it's just doing it again and again and again oh, and yeah. I think that's it
1: Absolutely, it's. I think if you have a bad experience, or you have a panic attack, or you feel anxious on stage, it's so hard to get back on. But the worst thing you can do is is not. So I think by you know having to literally just do it every night, and oh, some nights I would leave stage early. I remember on the example tours, my legs would feel like jelly when I would look out. It's like you know when you're up on top of a really high building and your legs go numb. It was like that. But now I could just walk out and just feel completely comfortable. It's like just going down the shops. It's quite nice, really.
0: It's so um, good when you master that fear, yeah. isn't it? It's so good. And then you've got to do it with something else that's new, you know, all yeah. over again. Well, only if yeah. you put yourself out there.
1: I think, yeah. I mean, there's some things that still make me nervous, obviously, but generally shows feel like quite a like a safe place to be.
0: Where did you go? Because this is a travel podcast. Where did you go on on that first tour?
1: on the first tour actually just around the uk um and just like random cities i think we went to swindon on one of them it was like cities you wouldn't normally visit i guess it wasn't like the manchester london kind of ones which was cool because i got to see a lot of the uk that i hadn't seen before um and then i went around europe which was amazing because i hadn't really seen much of europe um yeah so it was kind of one thing after another and now i feel like i've I've literally almost been around the world it's really amazing and I think that's one of my favorite parts of this job is actually just getting to travel and sometimes even if the show or the tour isn't quite right I'm like well I still want to see that part of the world so I'm going to say yes
0: where where has really stood out to you
1: oh god I mean the last album That was my first uh, international release. So that took me around the world. I got to go around America five times. Uh, We did Canada. We did uh, Mexico. We did Singapore, Hong Kong, New Zealand, Australia. It was just everywhere. And I think the further away, the better, just because it's it's exciting. And I'm still really intrigued by Asia. Like, I really want to go to Japan. I'd really like to go to Brazil because I think it would be such like a culture shock i want an experience if i'm going far um so I, I would say like some parts of america were just like absolutely amazing and just so different such a different way of life um asia like hong kong and singapore were incredible as well so yeah i'd like to see more of them
0: is there any way you felt sort of weirdly out of your depths. And you know, when you just sort of my first one, it was when I was when I first arrived in Bangkok and I was like in my early twenties and I hadn't been anywhere, you know, exotic or like that at all. And I just remember within half an hour of arriving at the airport, I was walking down the road behind an elephant, drinking out of a coconut with all these like sights and sounds and smells and you know, red light districts and just crazy stuff. You're like, oh, okay. This is, you know, this has really got me.
1: Wow. Yeah. Well Hong Kong was definitely a bit of a shock not because it is quite westernized so it wasn't really like oh my god where am i it just felt like i hadn't gone that far it felt so strange to be somewhere so far away and then you see all the chinese symbols on the on the road signs and you're like oh my god i'm i'm so far away and um i used to get really really bad anxiety when i traveled and i remember i was i was there with Calvin Klein the first time i went And I fainted in front of the whole team. It was so embarrassing. Um, The only other place I found like a little bit strange to go to was Australia. And I feel like it's quite unexpected because I just found it to be so, so far away, but so similar. And I just couldn't get my head around it. I was like, I'm literally on the bottom of the earth. Like I'm, I'm upside down but I'm not and like I'm in Britain but I'm not it was so weird
0: I totally relate to that when I'm in Australia and actually it makes me feel a little bit homesick
1: um, because it
0: feels so far away
1: (laughs) so it made me quite panicked I was like oh my god I'm so far and it was like being in a parallel universe or something it was really really surreal
0: what are your your support networks when you go on this? Are you traveling? You know, I don't know with your your manager, with your mom. You know, what are you doing? Like, you know, because you're out there on your own. It sounds quite yeah. scary sometimes.
1: Um, it really depends where I am. If it's tour, then it'll be like the band and the tour manager, and that's really nice to have that kind of family. But America, like I did a radio tour of America, which is one of the most brutal things you can do because you literally visit everywhere, like the places you haven't even heard of but it's also an amazing way to see America. Um, so I did that for three months and I was just out on my own. So like I'd have a different radio plugger in, in, in different parts. And that was really tough because I just felt so kind of lonely in the evenings. I would just you know, sit in my hotel and I was experiencing all these things, but I couldn't really share it with anyone. I don't know if you've ever had that when you get home and, It's like when someone goes traveling and they never shut up about it. And you're like, yeah, that wasn't there. Yeah, definitely. So then after that, I took like a manager or someone with me.
0: Because that was quite weird. The the solo female travel thing is really interesting because it's a big thing now. And I'm on lots of travel sort of Facebook groups or whatever. Groups that have got like a million female solo travelers in. And everyone seems to really embrace that. But I know exactly what you mean. It feels, it can feel very, very lonely if you don't have a fellow uh, adult
1: there to, to, yeah. to share it with in many ways. Yeah. I think, I think, especially after the pandemic and like not being able to travel, it's made me want to bring my boyfriend or bring a friend to things more and actually have those experiences together. Cause he was in a band. So he's, he's seen all these places that I'm going to, which is nice. But I was like, but we've not seen them at the same time. We like, we can't have a discussion about these things. So I definitely try and like, Make it a little bit more of like a a trip, like an occasion.
0: I'm quite envious of you going to all those radio studios. For me, I've, I've worked in radio for so long, but going into like radio studios, studios in the middle of America, you know, that's the stuff that yeah. that, that movies are made of, isn't it? It <laughs> is
1: mad. It's so mad as well. Like, just people live their lives in such different ways in such different parts. Like, you could be in Alabama and the TV's on, and it's some sort of like christian concert and it's it's just so different to anything you witness in the uk or you could be in chicago and it's like hockey on the tv or it's like yeah very very surreal
0: everyone's speaking the same language but it is a completely yeah. different country
1: so different
0: what was the uh the best part of, uh, of touring the states what has been the best part
1: the best part is definitely the food i absolutely love trying like I wouldn't say I'm like a foodie who likes posh restaurants or anything. I just like the local delicacy. So I've tried, you know, the deep dish pizzas in Chicago. I've had like the brisket, the American barbecue in the south, Mexican in Texas, like just loads um the pizzas in New York, stuff like that. I just we try everything wherever we go, like the Philly cheesesteaks in Philadelphia. And I just think that's it's um it's such a um what's the word like unstable career I guess and there's not much of a routine because you're traveling or you're wherever so having that one meal like the dinner and like doing something special for it or trying something new is always like our constant on tour and it's something we look forward to every day so food's definitely been quite a big big part of it.
0: You mentioned your um your boyfriend there, but you. I hope you don't mind me mentioning it. But you went out with Ed Sheeran for a while, didn't
1: you? Did you? That date? was in the beginning of my career. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so
0: that's when you when you first met him and you were dating. Yeah. And um, he wrote Nina about you. I yeah. think I'm writing. saying. How did that feel? I mean, it's a great song.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's not very subtle, is it? Um, <laughs> yeah, I think when you're a songwriter, and if you're going out with a songwriter. You always run that risk, don't you? So, yeah, I feel like there's people that I've written songs about that are probably like, it's probably about me. So, yeah. It's not really a big deal. It wasn't that bad a song to be fair. I think, I think it's <laughs> it really quite nice. Crazy. Well, yeah,
0: no, it's, it was a great song. I think it's a really nice thing. And funny enough, before I was, uh, you know, when you think like about social media and I was thinking, oh, I must tweet. Um, before I knew that I was interviewing you, I was chatting to my neighbor who's a musician and he was talking, Someone he's had three songs written about him and they're all really happy and, mm-hmm. and nice. And I I went out with a musician once and did a bit of a, mm-hmm. a, a touring with him, like really minor touring, uh, really bad touring, actually. We tossed a coin. We were going to stay in Brighton for the summer. It was on the day I finished university. And we were like, let's go to Amsterdam for the summer tomorrow, you know, and uh, heads or tails, shall we go? And it was tails. And we actually went and we ended up touring um Irish bars you know that the Irish oh, bar wow. thing is big everywhere and he was playing in <laughs> Irish sure. bars and I was just sort of um following around but he wrote a song about me and it was called Shine because oh, I think he hates me now but uh instead of <laughs> he's a musician he still owes me money sorry Lawrence if you're listening should probably change his name <laughs> he's probably not listening um but uh yeah he wrote a song about me called Shine and I just remember it was a, really lovely because he said I I shine you know at oh the that's time. nice he, he, the, the, the shine probably wore off you know pretty oh. soon soon after that but it was actually such a lovely thing having a song written about you I
1: thought that's that's very sweet yeah I think if it's a love song it's nice isn't it yeah definitely. it could be my boyfriend now he's his band I've had some very nice ones about me so I'll take them <laughs>
0: who, who is his yeah your, your, that's escaped my research is he he's oh, in a
1: band in, a- yeah they're not together anymore but they were um a band called lower than atlantis um just right. so kind of like rock music but Yeah, some had some romantic lyrics in there.
0: (laughs) Oh, what's your favourite type of music to listen to? Um,
1: Oh, it really depends where I am and like what I'm doing. But I like just chilled stuff. Like I like a lot of, yeah, just like good stories, storytelling. I love a lot of um, kind of female singer-songwriters, Alanis Morissette. Dolly Parton, Taylor Swift, you know, women that have got a story to tell um, and write their own stuff. So, yeah, probably, probably anything like that. Joni Mitchell, anything up that street.
0: Love it. Did you, so you found yourself, you moved to London, which is obviously a, a well-trodden pass and feels yeah. ne- necessary at, at, at many times. How, when did you move and what was that like?
1: I moved when I was 17, um, which looking back seems pretty crazy <laughs> now. Um, I left college went on tour and then I do I used to sit on the internet when I was like 12 and look at rental properties on right move or whatever it was and I didn't understand like how much was a lot of money like I just I had no concept of what was a lot of money and I used to ask my mum like do you think I'll ever be able to move to London and she was like no, no, <laughs> like no, not unless you're earning good money. And then I finally was lucky enough to get a publishing deal. Well, not finally, I was still very young, but I was really lucky to get that for my songwriting. So it's like you get a record deal for the music and then you get a publishing deal for the songs. Um so yeah, I signed a publishing deal and that gave me the opportunity to move to London and, and just have somewhere for a year and see how it went. So I moved in actually into my manager's spare bedroom for a year because my mum was like, you're not moving to London unless I know where you're going to be. Um, so I moved in with her looking back, like at the time I was like, you're being so dramatic. I'm fine. And now I'm like, Oh my God, I was so sheltered and just so not streetwise at all. So yeah, glad that I did that. Um, my manager was probably fed up with me at the end of it, but. Yeah, it was it was a good kind of transition into London.
0: Whereabouts in London were you?
1: It was in Surbiton,
0: right? Okay,
1: really, like on the outskirts. Oh yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So it's not so edgy.
1: It wasn't <laughs> so edgy. And then I moved to Fulham after that, and I was there for a good five years, and I absolutely loved that. My friend worked in the pub around the corner. It was just like, you know, those years were just going out all the time, and it was just yeah, good, good phase
0: so what's next for your travels where uh where are you going next have you got another tour coming up you're in the middle of a tour aren't you
1: um I am going on tour in November and December I'm going UK and Europe but I'm going back to LA on Saturday as well which is exciting oh
0: fantastic what are you doing yeah,
1: there I'm doing the late late show with James Corden oh my god that's I amazing are you going so from excited. me to James
0: Corden that's exciting
1: <laughs> very excited for that
0: um, uh, have you met him before
1: no, I haven't. But I love Gavin and Stacey. Yeah, so. of course. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm quite excited. Actually. I mean, he's
0: he's come a long way from there, hasn't
1: he? <laughs> yeah, he has. I'll definitely be nervous for that performance.
0: Yeah. So, is it live or is it pre-recorded?
1: Well, it's. I think it goes out that night. They record it during the day, but it may as well be live because you get one shot and that's it. So, yeah. So it's, uh, it's exciting.
0: That's really good. How do you how do you feel about LA? Do you like it?
1: Um, I have mixed feelings I feel like I love the opportunities I love a lot of the producers and writers and like the people there but it's just a bit mad like I don't I think I'd go crazy if I lived there for too long I stayed there for two months once writing and by the end of it I'd just gone a bit mad like I don't know I think it's hard to stay grounded there because it's just so I don't know everything's just available and everything's in excess and there's just so many wild opportunities. That, and I think like a lot of them don't actually happen. So I think it can really kind of skew your sense of reality. But it is a beautiful place. And I feel like I'm always going there for exciting reasons. So, yeah.
0: What's the most LA thing that has happened to you when you're there? Have you met like anyone incredibly famous or been in a restaurant where something, you know, I don't know, Elton John's walks in or something like that?
1: <laughs> I've seen, do you know who I've seen in So House last time, which I freaked out about? colin firth oh yes (laughs) uh, because i'm such a bridget jones fan i was like oh my god um but you just see people everywhere like but no one bothers like the famous people there because you know it's just normal um my friend that supported me she lived next to kim kardashian and she was like yeah it's just normal like and i was like that's so not normal that's crazy. Oh, so what sort of house does she have? <laughs> I know. Yeah, she's probably got a very nice house to be fair. But yeah, you do just it's you do just see people that you're like, oh, they're that person.
0: Yeah, it's uh, I love I love it. My brother uh, lives there and he's very involved in the music scene and lo- knows lots of um lots of people. Mm. Um and uh yeah, it's just kind of like day to day for them.
1: Yeah, it is mad. I do feel bad, like for the people that live there and all those tours they do of, of famous people's houses. I'm like, oh, my
0: God, leave them alone. <laughs> Can you imagine if they're rocking up outside your house? You know, yeah. <laughs> so I'm just putting the bins out, leave me yeah. alone. So where's the tour going in November? Where are you off to? The
1: tour is going all around the UK and then in Europe, which will be really nice because I haven't actually toured that much of Europe and I absolutely love it. The food in Europe, like, oh, the catering at the venues is just next level. I feel like they really know how to look after artists on tour. In the UK, it's like, you're lucky if you get a dingy room with a sofa that's from like the 1950s and a bottle of water. But then you go to Europe and it's like, just nice, like fresh sandwiches, hot food, just the little things, you know.
0: It's The the little things that count, I think, especially when, when you're away from home.
1: Yeah, I think when you're traveling it's it's crazy how how much you take things for granted at home because when you're traveling like even just a comfy pillow or a hot meal can feel like you've won the lottery.
0: Yeah, it really can. It really can. So the album is Elska and it's out now. Yes. And we can find you on tour soon and I'll try and catch you somewhere. I'd really like that.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: I'm going to ask you my last question now. My last question is always about music, because for me, and I'm guessing for you as well, and, and like food as well, actually, uh, maybe I should ask people a food question as well. But for me, uh, music and uh, travel go firmly hand in hand. And the fact is I used to work in music and I probably just a, a, a failed, well, I never even tried to be a musician. So <laughs> a failed person that wanted to be a musician, and then wanted to work in music. Um, so uh, for me, like doing this podcast, like one of the whole reasons I wanted to do it, because I love Desert Island Discs. So it gives me the chance to speak to people about what I do work in, which is travel. But I always ask a music question at the end. That was a very long-winded way of me saying, I always ask a music question. And the music question is, um, if you had to choose one song that reminds you of a memorable time and place of travel, what is that song and what is the anecdote? What is the story? What what happened, if you can think of a song that reminds you of a situation or a special time?
1: I think I would pick... A Case of You by Joni Mitchell. And it was when I was starting writing this album, Elskar, in LA. And I was just so inspired by her lyrics and her storytelling and the way that she paints pictures with words. I just think it's so beautiful. And I'd read up a lot about um, like that kind of community of songwriters back in the day. And um, it was like they were called like the Laurel Canyon group or something like that like that kind of crew and i drove through laurel canyon um in the car and i was like oh my god like i'm here oh my god there's so much history and so many amazing singer songwriters have sort of come through this area or even just come from california and i would just listened to to her music and the whole um blue album i would listen to as well especially california that track as well i don't know if that's on that album but that one was definitely on replay and it was just yeah it was just cool to like be in the place where these people have kind of come through and existed and it just really reminds me of that trip and i had it on on my way to the airport back to london and i was just so sad to be leaving i was like oh it's just been such a good trip um and it just really reminds me of that.
0: One of the amazing things I love about driving around LA is looking at the, the signs and, you know, I'm trying to think of songs now, but say, um, a free falling by Tom Petty, you know, I'm going to ride down over Mulholland and Hollywood yeah. Nights by Bob Seeger. And like, every, there's a song on every corner, you know, yeah. every boulevard or every, the Cheryl Cole
1: and- one as well. Though all is, I want to do is have some fun so she's yeah. there, Santa Monica there. Santa
0: Monica Boulevard yeah. yeah oh god yeah I absolutely love that and it feels it's like so you're cool. it's like so oh, cool. oh I'm really living like where a minute yeah where music was created where 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 things really happen you know it makes you yeah, feel like that definitely well thank you so much for coming on the big travel podcast I've loved talking thank to you, you.
1: thanks but, you too
0: thank you so much for listening. We have a new episode for you every two weeks. So please subscribe and like us on whatever podcast app you're listening on.